this is Max Weinberg from the E Street Band. You're listening to Tramps Like Us, the Bruce Springsteen podcast with Lee McCormick. I'm Lee McCormick. Welcome to Tramps Like Us, a Bruce Springsteen podcast, episode 43. East Streeters in Toronto, September, October 2017. Bruce was in Toronto on September 30th for the closing ceremonies of the Invictus Games. My buddy Justin Tweedy was there working backline for the show, so he was backstage. He got to view the show from the side of the stage, so we'll get his take on what he saw and what he heard that night. As well, we had a couple of East Street band members playing some solo shows in Toronto. Little Steven and the Disciples of Soul were here in Toronto on October 9th. They played the Danforth Music Hall. Me and Jordana Vestia were there. So we'll tell you what we saw, what we heard, what we thought of the show. As well, the following night on October 10th, Max Weinberg's Jukebox was in Toronto playing the legendary Horseshoe Tavern. That was a great night. I enjoyed the show. I got to meet Max that night. So I'll give you my play-by-play of the show and let you know what it was like meeting Mighty Max Weinberg. All right, so here we go. Let's start with Bruce Springsteen in Toronto on September 30th for the Invictus Games. All right, so I'm talking with my friend Justin Tweedy. Man, you got to check out the Invictus, in, uh, how do you say that word, Invictus Games? I did. A couple of weeks ago, you were working the back line for that, right? Yeah, so we supplied like the the rental instruments for yeah, uh, for the backline for, for some of the yeah for all the artists that were performing. So yeah, well, that's how we know each other, right? We I used to work we used to work together a bunch of years ago, and uh, yeah, exactly. yeah. So uh, so you you guys provided backline for everybody? Was the whole show? Yeah, pretty much. So um, so yeah, anyone anyone who was you know like a proper like kind of rock band format who was playing on you know drums and guitars and stuff like that we yeah. provided the, the gear so uh, Brian Adams and stuff the Bachman Turner Overdrive stuff and in the opening ceremony I think it was Kelly Clarkson who else saw the tenors I've had some issues with those guys anyway no comment <laughs> no comment <laughs> so yeah so fucking so, Bruce Springsteen so, yeah, so you uh, so, so, uh, so I got word that Bruce was coming for the closing with nothing because he's right in the middle of launching the Broadway show, right? So, yeah. so they had done their first full dress rehearsal, I think, the night before. Yeah. He's just gonna whip came, up. So I got this. He's just gonna whip up like yeah, on yeah, a plane. They're, they're gonna whip up, you know, like, for a couple hours, kind of thing, and do this thing, and then and then fly home, fly back, like, yeah. you know, all on chartered planes and everything. So, so the word we got was that you know they're not, they're coming with nothing, like one one acoustic guitar because they you know they they don't have room or time for to, to pull anything from storage, so. Um, so I called a friend of mine who has a 52 telly and, and was like, Hey man, I think, uh, I think Bruce Springsteen needs to play your guitar. So he was super, he was super stoked. Wow. And, uh, that was that brown, was, that brown sunburst one with the, the white pick guard. 
No, so he actually had like a butterscotch one. Um, so he was gracious enough to rent it to us, and I, it's, it's very dear to him. But uh, as it turns out, when Kevin Buell walked in with uh, with the rest of the crew, uh, Kevin Buell is uh, Bruce's guitar tech. They actually yeah. brought for the for the three or you know, I guess it, as it turned out, five songs that they ended up doing. They brought six guitars, you know, for good measure. So, which was kind of funny. So he ended up using all of their own guitars, none of the ones you brought. Yeah, so he did bring his own, but uh, which is kind of a surprise. But you know. Yeah, but you, uh, you, <laughs> the way I found out was I was I was on Facebook and I'm like Justin Tweedy. I'm like I fucking recognize that guitar. You posted it. You got to hold a couple of his guitars, right? Yes. Were you hanging yeah, with well, Kevin? And he brought, he just, so, so he brought the. Uh, so he's got a couple of those custom shop, like the deluxe ones with the like the double white binding, and the the sunburst. Yeah, those are the white pick guards, and, and the, that's the one he played. He that's, he played two songs right like he played uh cuts like a knife and badlands electric guitars with brian adams yeah he, he yeah used so the, the ones he actually played he used the one guitar for that that's, yeah that's, yeah and then and then the other one was was one of the the 52 tellies now like yeah the the, the, the blonde one and you it's got the the worn wood part at the top exactly. there exactly with his worth it was now, like right hands like awesome. i won't say whether or not that's actually the guitar yeah because I think the guitars are insured for many, many millions of dollars, and they probably live in a vault under his house. But, but those are the those are the touring guitars. Anyway. Yeah, the number one he doesn't bring out those anymore. The he, but he there's one. That yeah, he, like the Ash one. The Ash one is alleged, apparently, according to Kevin, is insured for something like twenty million dollars. Fuck. <laughs> but there is one that he uses. There is one that he uses most for most of his shows, and you can tell because it's worn in the same ways. And I think that might have been the one. Yeah, exactly. I think that's the butterscotch one, right? Yeah. So you got to hold those ones, eh? Especially the 52 reissue, but they're all kind of customized for him. Like, the necks are really, really fast. Yeah. And uh, so they kind of shave them down and, and yeah, make them, make them Bruce-friendly, so. Yeah, so he, so went, so did you have, I guess you didn't have any interaction with Bruce. Bruce showed up to do a couple of songs acoustically first, right? First he shows up and he played, uh, he opens the show with Working on the Highway, or he opens his segment with uh, Working on the Highway.
say, son, can't you see? She just a little girl. She don't know nothing about the cruel, cruel world. We need out down to Florida. We got along all right. One day our brothers came and got her, and they took me in a black and white. Prosecutor kept the promise that he made on that day. Charlotte County Road Gang working on the highway Laying down on the black top Get on the highway All day long I don't stop Get on the highway Rassin' through the bedrock Get on the highway Working on the highway Working on the highway Laying down on the black top Get on the highway All day long I don't stop Get on the highway Rassin' through the bedrock Get on the highway Working on the highway You were you were then, uh, you were side stage for all of this. Yeah, it was it was it was funny because I mean, um, you know, spent the day with Kevin Buell, like his guitar tech, and he's just telling us, you know, just just stories, just you know, funny like. And he's a cool dude, eh? Like a cool uh, old guy. Just war stories of just you know, like super, about the Super Bowl when they did it, and I think '09 or whatever. Wicked. And all these great stories, and just you know, kind of like yeah, you never know what's gonna happen, and blah blah blah. And you know, so at one point he said, you know, like, you know, my job is to just be invisible. And so that, you know, you just, like, if, if everything goes right, then and, then you have no idea that I'm there. Yeah. So, of course, like, after the first song, Bruce decides he wants to switch the order. So when you see him walk over in the broadcast, when you see him walk over to the to the wings, and so and he's just like, yeah, you know what, I, I want to do, uh, do Promised Land next, because he was going to finish with Promised Land. He's just like, yeah, I'm going to do it this way. It's called Promised Land.
just now to live the right way. I get up every morning and go to work each day. But your eyes go blind and your blood runs cold. Sometimes I feel so weak. I just want to explode. Explode and tear this old town apart. Take a knife and cut this pain from my heart. Find somebody itching for something to start. Well, the dogs on Main Street, how does they understand? If I could take this moment into my hands, Mr. Ryan, boy. No, I'm a maid and I believe in a promised land. There's a dark cloud rising from the desert floor. I pack my bags and I'm heading straight into the storm. Gonna be a twister to blow everything down that ain't got the faith to stand its ground. Blow away. Dreams that tear you apart Blow away The dreams that break your heart Blow away The lies that leave you nothing But lost and broken hearted Well, the dogs on Main Street howl Cause they understand If I could take This moment Into my hands Mr. Ryan Boy No We had to switch a guitar for, I guess, a different tuning. He does that in like an open tuning. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. So you're yeah, so yeah, you're exactly. like side stage hanging with uh, Kevin Buell's area. Yeah, yeah. Like he was. Yeah, he was. He was there, and yeah, we're. You know, he kind of needed help to like for the Brian Adams part for us to like help roll Bruce's amp out and make sure it was all plugged in, make sure the spare was there and everything, and he took care of his guitars and. That's awesome. So yeah, you know, we got kind of got to be part of the team, which was awesome. Yeah, so then Bruce does Dancing in the Dark after that, which was a pretty cool version. Put on your dancing shoes. I get up in the evening 
Like, uh, I like that song where it's kind of acoustic, but it's kind of neat. Yeah, I really like working on the highway acoustic, to be honest. Yeah, it's a I fun song. I thought it worked really well. I think it, like, it sort of brought out the, just sort of like the bluesiness of that song, right? Yeah. It's sort of a, 
I think he just likes to play that one. Not that this is like a fun song that he, he looks like he's always having a good time. So that's kind of an easy, a fun one to yeah, start yeah, yeah. off with. That's yeah. funny, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> funny story. Yeah. So then, uh, so then, yeah. So Bruce comes off. Did you have like any? Did he pass by you, or did he? How close did he get to you? Did you say? Oh hi? yeah, like we like we stood next to each other. I mean, like, did you shake his hand or say hi or anything like that? No, I mean it was kind of like it quick. Was, you yeah. know, it was clear. Like my, you know, my friend Brad, my colleague Brad, and I were with, uh, you know, with their crew for a good part of the day. And you know, it was, it, it's clear everybody wants to meet Bruce Springsteen. Right? Yeah, but so you last, can't. You got to give him a space. The last thing we want to do is, you know, like in the middle of this like kind of like working scene where like you know these they're kind of depending on us to just be professional and yeah. whatever and so we don't really want to turn to him and be like hey you know can we get a picture or whatever so yeah i know but he's, but, he's uh, still I, I he's... think that's i think that's why he handed us the guitars i was like yeah here play this because it's like i'm not going to introduce you to the man because yeah you know. but at least yeah. you, you can take he's, a picture he showed up with his family he's just there yeah you know but he was he was definitely like uh like Bruce had his you know, family there, is that what you said? Bruce had his family there. What's that? Bruce had his family. Yeah, he showed up with Patty and his youngest son, and yeah. I don't know, like some friends of theirs. They were all side stage too, and kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah, that, that was that was the amazing thing is that Patty, who's whatever his wife and been in his band for how, however long, when he came out with Brian, rushed past us, uh, and went and like sat, tried to get as close as she could and watch like a super fan. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's really amazing. Sweet to see. It's like she's that. She's still that into watching. She's still play, a fan. Right? I love my husband. He's so good. Yeah. So, yeah, so then Brian like, Adams comes out and they fuck with pride. Yeah. So Brian comes out and they do uh, they do cuts like a knife. That was a pretty cool version. Yes. Yeah, it was rocking. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, let's bring back the boss, Bruce Springsteen. Come on. Those times I thought I'd been misunderstood Oh, wait a minute, darling Can't you see we did the best we could? Yeah, the best we could This wouldn't be the first time Things have gone 
I'm not a big Brian Adams fan, but that's a good song, eh? Yeah, it was a good song. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, it was it was kind of dwarfed by Badlands, to be honest. Yeah, so and they follow it up with and they follow up with Badlands, eh? Yeah. <laughs> and that was rocking. You were uh, side stage watching that. That must be cool. Sounded probably really good there too. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and we got to kind of go out into the into the front of the front of house earlier in the day and watch them rehearse it because they they did manage to squeeze in like a ten minute rehearsal for that, which was kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of shows how how pro that band is, and they can just they can just hit that you know hit that fastball and just hit it out of the park like that. It was pretty amazing. So. Wicked man. But yeah, so yeah, so so Badlands was obviously a huge highlight, and that's like from Brad pointed out, pretty cool that the you know the the arena of like athletes from around the world like these you know like the 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 games is all wounded veterans from around the world from different countries the, yeah yeah all yeah competing in this sort of like mini olympics type thing yeah and they had like when they get to that when they get to the you know the the breakdown near the end of badlands with the whoa, whoa. whoa. yeah they were all and, like the whole place is doing it. it's just like he's yeah, yeah, like the whole like, floor was the athletes too, right? And like the the yeah, seats exactly. for fans. So everybody on the floor was all so the people. It's like, it's like dudes, you know, dudes from Turkey and dudes from Jordan and yeah. and, and 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 women too. Like just funny cross section of just like world citizens, just all singing <laughs> this the breakdown of like a Bruce song recorded in whatever nineteen seventy eight or something. Yeah, yeah, that's wicked, man. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's cool. So then they walked off, and that's it. And they packed up the guitar guitars and went home. Yeah, pretty much. They they like rock start them out of there because, as I said, like probably had a plane uh, waiting. Plane I, was I think waiting they did for the him. First dress, <laughs> the first dress rehearsal of that that Broadway show was like the day before. Yeah, and so they had to like you know get back and you know he probably was probably in bed by eleven or something. It's cool. Yeah, well, it's cool for Bruce to do that though. Like he didn't have to do that, but it was you know. Yeah, no, it was, it was awesome, and I mean, just you know, just his vibe. Yeah, and I think probably a couple of those, a couple of those acoustic songs are kind of the versions he's working up for his Broadway show too. So that's kind of neat. Yeah, I thought I thought of that. I wondered. All right, cool. Well, thanks, Justin. Thanks for sharing that uh, amazing moment with everybody. I'm so jealous you got to put your paws on Bruce's Telecasters. That's amazing, man. <laughs> yeah, it was my pleasure. I mean, it was, it was certainly like uh, the highlight of my life. So <laughs> I'm glad, to, happy to share it. This time, Bruce done one of mine. Now we're done one of Bruce's. This one's called Badlands. Come on. Are you ready, Invictus? Here we go. One, two. Lights out tonight. Trouble in the hard way. I got a hit on collision. Smashing in my guts, man. I'm caught in a crossfire. I don't understand. But there's one thing I know for sure. I don't give a damn for the same old plane I've seen. No, I don't give a damn for the just in betweens. Honey, I want the heart, I want the soul, I want control right now. Talk about a dream, try to make it real. Strong. Oh, I want to be rich, rich man. 
So I'm talking with uh, Jordan Vescio, my co-pilot for the Nashville Rock and Pod Expo, and also my uh, companion for the Little Stephen and the Disciples of Soul show thank in you. Toronto. Thank you, thank you. Happy to be back. October 9th, 2017, which was our Canada Thanksgiving. So Little Stephen was playing the Danforth Music Hall. I was really excited to see this show. Yeah, Thanksgiving, we showed up there, picked Jordan up. Uh, you were full of turkey. You know, you didn't have a turkey this weekend, right? That weekend? Yeah, like... Italian pasta and some wine. But you were squash soup. Squash soup. You're full of food anyway. Roast beef. Yeah, roast beef. So <laughs> Yeah, so we get to the venue, uh, lined up, uh, got inside. 
Uh, I saw a couple friends. I saw Jay Jones from Durham School of Music. I saw the great Jeff Cohen, big Bruce fan, who uh, helped promote this show. Uh, yeah, so we were we were about three from the stage, standing room only, at, yeah. at the general admission area there. Um, yeah, so my, one of my favorite things was I was hoping he was going to open up with uh, Even the Losers by Tom Petty, right? Remember I was saying that? He did. Yeah, and he did. So, <laughs> like, he was... <laughs> The night Tom Petty died, I think he had a gig somewhere, so he played Even the Losers. And he's probably going to drop that eventually from the set list, but I was hoping he was going to last till Toronto. For a week, he at least played shows well, he, and he, opened up with it? Yeah, he played a, played a couple of shows and opened it up with it, so I was, like, I was hoping he was going to make it to Toronto for that. And, uh, and uh, Stephen followed through. Yeah, he counted it off. One, two, three, four, Even the Losers. It's great. So then after that, he played a few songs off his uh, his first solo album. Now, he had, he had solo albums in the 80s. Were you aware of that, Jordana? Yeah, he left in 85, <laughs> the street band. 
Yeah, that's good. You remember your uh, your E Street Band trivia? I might have had some beers that night, but I remember good facts. <laughs> yeah, so stuff. so he had a solo career in the '80s, put out a few records. So he does a couple songs off his uh, 1982 Men Without Women album. He did uh, "Lying in a Bed of Fire" and "Inside of Me," which was cool. Then he did a bunch of new songs off the new Soul Fire record, uh, Soul Fire title track "Blues Is My Business," where he played some killer electric guitar. All right. Love on the Wrong Side of Town was good. You know, Soul Classics, great band. That river one, down the river. Oh, yeah, that's, uh, well, that's coming up. It's in the river, going the around. Gospel, yeah. Yeah, that's coming yeah. up. That's coming up. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, so Little Steve, it was cool. <laughs> it was cool to see Little Steven, like, lead the band. And, uh, you know, I was more impressed with his guitar playing, right? Like, you never see him get to play as much guitar when he's playing with Bruce. Because Bruce has taken the majority of the guitar solos, but he was shredding some really good guitar that night. So yeah, I was digging that. He switched that. his guitars what three times? A couple, yeah. yeah. Mostly he played his standard like Fender Stratocaster, the black one with the uh, the black oyster the pearl. Oyster poop. Not oyster poop. <laughs> black oyster pearl is the uh, the color of the pick guard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Right? It's funny stuff. Yeah. So. You <laughs> And it's then, technically a pearl. <laughs> it's definitely a pearl, <laughs> the poop yeah. of the oyster. <laughs> yes. And uh, he, he, after that, he did a couple more off uh, that Men With A Woman album. He did uh, Until The Good Is Gone, which was a good one, and Angel Eyes. I think, I think Bruce originally sang back. He also did a good originally. John Lennon shout-out because it was yeah. uh, John Lennon's birthday that day. So yeah, it was John Lennon's birthday. Working birth- Class Man? Is working Class Hero. Working Class yeah. Hero. Working Class Hero is something to be kind of dark song right yeah so, it was yeah john lennon's birthday so he played that honestly a song i'd never heard before yeah you haven't heard that one no that was just like a john lennon solo error stuff error era 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 and then th- saint valentine's day was good off that uh soul fire record and that's got that line on about your calendar yeah am i still penciled in on your calendar all right good memory thanks. and it also had that line about thanksgiving remember i looked over at you and i i uh Sang that line she to you. Don't wish you love me. Yeah, something oh, like that. It's night. like, uh, what is it? <laughs> it's like Thanksgiving Day and you say you love me. But who will be the last Day. lover standing? I mean, if you didn't play Saint that song, Valentine's many, Day. many fans in the crowd would have been disappointed. Yeah. Steve wished the Canadian crowd a happy Thanksgiving, which is pretty good. And he made sure that no politics were discussed. Yeah. It was a non political. Yeah. When, uh, performance yeah he was saying like well in the 80s his solo career he was very political then right like very political so in, in this day and age he's just like i don't have to be that political anymore because it's, it's guess, all you know? it's all right out there like you don't need a guy like steven to bring some of these issues to the forefront because in this day and age these issues are right in the forefront you know like who doesn't know what's going on in politics these days so anyway he continued with a song called standing in the line of fire which is off the new record and he, he tell, told a cool story about recording that, where they were going, showing up to the recording studio to, to work on it, and he actually heard the original version that he produced with uh, Gary U.S. Bonds came on his radio station, and he was listening to it. And he's he's like, he's like, fuck man, how am I gonna beat that? That's a great record. <laughs> so uh, so they decided to give this treatment where, uh, you know, he took some music that he'd written for the Lilyhammer score, and he did a like the Ennio Morricone. Uh, you know, spaghetti western kind of treatment to it, so we have that have that start with a cool. Oh, the Italian classic, like. Yeah, composer who would do like the western kind of that, really reverb echo guitar and stuff like that off the top. So, that was really neat. 
Uh, da, 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 what else? Yeah, I saw the light was good off the new record. Um, he played the song Salvation, and I noticed on the set list that he scratched "The City Weeps Tonight" off the scratch off the uh, set list instead of the Salvation song, which I was uh, you know a little bit disappointed with because that's like one of my favorite songs, mm. "The City Weeps Tonight." But then uh, you got "Down and Out" in New York City, right? That was a good one. One of the highlights of the night. Told that story about uh, black exploitation films, right? Like Shaft, Cross 110th Street, you know. Uh, How it's our duty to question through patriotism. Uh, no, that's not yet. That's for oh. I am a patriot. Oh. Save that for later. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get that, edit that out. <laughs> so, yeah. That sentence over. So, we did Down and Out in New York City, which was that James Brown song from the Black Caesar, Black Exploitation film. You like the that one? The one that right? sounds like uh, Gary Clark Jr. a little bit. Yeah, that... Uh, New York. Dun, 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 dun. All the fat cats in the bad hats. That's a good one. And then one of my favorite songs was this one. It's kind of about you, Princess of Little Italy. Yeah. Who do you, th- <laughs> who do you think you wrote the song about? Yeah, and I was going. I, who do you I, think gave him the idea? I know, I attended the concert with the Princess of Little Italy that night, so... Uh, That's me. Yeah. For anybody listening out That's there. That's She's a princess. Uh, I'm so, uh, a queen, but I'm a little now. The queen? You'll be the yeah, queen he, one day. Yeah, he made the song based on when he met me and I was younger. I see. You know? Excellent. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, great taste. Great taste in lyrics and uh, culture references. Yeah, Princess of Little Italy is I about approve. a song. He dedicated this to all the Italian grandfathers out there, you know? And uh, for this one, he stripped the band back a bit. The uh, horn section kind of took off. And that guy, that cool old guy, Lowell. Oh. Uh, the, uh, Lowell Levenger, pianist. Pianist, yes, he's. Uh, he was great. Oh, he had the. He had the best shirt on. Yeah, right? Spanish the, little, yeah. frilly flamenco. Yeah, it was like black, a, the Seinfeld tight. puffy shirt. Yeah, <laughs> have you seen that Three episode? Yeah. Seinfeld pirate puffy shirt. It was <laughs> like that. One of those. Yeah. So anyway, Lowell, aka Banana, he was in that, that's that band, the Young Bloods. You know that song, Get Together. Come on, people, now smile on your brother. Everybody, get together. Try to love one another right now. You know it. That one. Just want to hear your voice. <laughs> yeah. So he, uh, <laughs> so Lowell came up front stage to play uh, mandolin on that. And then the guy that was playing the organ came up. He played accordion. And uh, right. he was doing That's this thing, the accordion part. guy, like when um, when the guy doesn't have a mic in front of him, but he's still singing the songs along, like he's right into it. But this time this guy was kind of annoying, you know. But uh, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, when you see a guy, and he's not on a mic, but he's just playing this accordion. He's just singing along, like, yeah, I found that kind of annoying. I didn't pay that much attention no, to it. I was attention. very excited that they brought out an accordion. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only thing. My uncles play the accordion. Yeah. It always gets brought out of family gatherings, family things, big Christmas, big Father's Day. It's a lot of accordions. My dad sings. It's an Italian know. instrument, right? I think so. Fernando it's plays the accordion. It's been around a lot in my history, so I would hope so otherwise. Maybe you know. one day uh, Fernando can play the accordion. I'll play mandolin, and we'll do this song, Princess of Little Italy, for you in your honor. I don't know why it hasn't happened already. <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me like a great idea. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so let's play this. Let's play this uh, version of Princess of Little Italy from Toronto. Well, the uh, cinematic Italian folk rock. <laughs> 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 All Italian grandfathers in
So yeah, so then coming up was probably the highlight of the night was that three song reggae pack that he oh, did that right great. in a row. Oh, it was I so good. That. Yeah. I think that was it was the time of the night that I was my feet were already hurting. We'd been standing for so long and you know what? I just got a whole new wind in that reggae just the transition started to happen. Yeah. They start to pump you up. Yeah. Just... He basically did three songs from his like 80s solo career. His three kind of reggae songs. Uh, uh, Solidarity, uh, Leonard Peltier. Solidarity. Yeah. And uh, I Am a Patriot, which uh, three great songs. I love I Am a Patriot. Uh, whole crowds grooving and swaying off this one. I remember closing my eyes and just rocking back and forth. I thought you were falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're nudging me and you're like, wake up, old I was man. Like, man, what are you doing? I'm dancing out here. You're leaving me on my own. And I'm but, like, no, uh, I'm just feeling just it. I'm right into it. Yeah, that was so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was probably the highlight of the night for me, right towards the end of the set. Okay. When uh, little Steven's three feet in front of you, but you close your eyes because the music is so good. You Absolutely. Feel it, That's you know? it. You That's know. the thing, man. You know. Yeah. So a few more songs they played. They did Groovin' is Easy, which was a. Uh, that's kind of a rare track. It was an outtake from the Soulfire record, and he put it out on a 7-inch, and it's kind of given away to all the VIP guys, get this bonus uh, song on this 7-inch record, which was pretty cool. Uh, Ride the Night Away was really rocking, kind of, uh, you know, had the whole crowd rocking and fist-pumping. And a few more songs he played. Bitter Fruit off that uh, solo record, Freedom, No Compromise, was cool. That was the one where Steve came right in front of us to our section of the mm -hmm. side of the stage. We were on the right side, and he... You know, came right up the front of the stage and started playing guitar and mugging him in the face and stuff yeah. like that. It was really funny. And then you were like, that guy must be Italian, right? He's an ugly Italian, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what he is. Adam, <laughs> Adam on the list next to Danny DeVito. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, so then they did Forever, another track off that Men Without Women uh, first solo record. And that was, I guess, the end of the show. He, they all did a big bow at the front of the stage, right? Mm-hmm. And then he did a couple more. Steve took his guitar off and he played a couple more songs. You know, songs, guitar. They did I Don't Want to Go Home and uh, Out of the Darkness. Big crowd sing-along on I Don't Want to Go Home. So really cool. Now, before that concert, we, we knew that there wasn't an opening act. So, you know, we thought, all right, you know, he'll play for an hour, an hour and a half. But we were there for two and a half hours. Yeah. That man played from start to finish with his band. It was amazing. It was, it was great. I, I walked out and I, yeah, we had... Fifteen guys on stage, three background singers. Right was there really fifteen? Fifteen, yeah. Wow. Five-piece horn section, you know, two keyboards players. Just amazing. Uh, the one thing I will say is that like his band is made up of a bunch of session musicians, right? Because session players, it's hard to really get a uh, you know fifteen guys that can commit to a tour for a year in this day and age, right? Yeah, I'm sure. So Steve's got a rotating group of musicians that are coming in off the tour. So the one thing that's good about these guys is that they can play and their instrument's great and they can read like motherfuckers and they're great, right? The other th one thing that's bad about them is they're not really seasoned on stage as like live entertainers. So a couple of the guys, like I mentioned, that, that accordion guy like singing along and the bass player was kind of moving a bit too much. Like I like my bass players to stay stationary, you know, and not show any em emotion. This guy was like showing way too much emotion for a, for, for a bass player for me anyway. <laughs> he made being a bass player look a little bit uncool. Yeah, that's hard to do for a bass like player. You gotta watch Bill Wyman, John Entwistle, like Gary Talent. Like those guys know their yeah. role. They play solid they and they just stand there. On and, that stage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It goes both ways. It goes both ways. Absolutely. But it was a very impressive show by the band. You know, I loved all the songs and I especially loved you know, the little Steven solo 80s stuff that I wasn't really familiar with. You know, I hadn't really picked those records up along the way, but I'm definitely going to 
grab them now. You like the show in general there, Jordana? I loved it. I went into it knowing very little about Lil Steven and knowing very little about the E Street Band, and yeah. I walked out of there singing at least four of the songs excellent, excellent. for the next two hours. So. Yeah, that was my intent. I knew you would love it. It's a great show. I encourage everybody to check it out. Yeah, let's play... Uh, yeah, man. Thanks for the tickets. Absolutely. I'm going to play that highlight of the night. Let's play that three-song reggae oh, pack. Let's do it. Yeah, it's a long one. Right it's now. about 12, 13 minutes, <laughs> but uh, it's good for you. And check out the transitions you on this. You might not want to sit down for this. Yeah. <laughs> this is a, this uh, version I got is actually not from the Toronto show. This is from the... Uh, I think the band played uh, Manchester, England in the summer, June. So you'll hear uh, Charlie Drayton on the drums, which hey, is, uh, I love Charlie. Charlie. Yeah, he played with uh, Keith Richards and the Winos. So uh, some great drumming on this. Check out the transitions in between all th of the, the songs and just, you know. They Close your eyes if you want to, you yeah, know. Yeah, tempo changes. It's just, it's just great. Just uh, keep rocking and rolling and whatnot. <laughs> rocking and rolling and whatnot? Yeah, Steve, and just finally, little Steven is, uh, he's just a cool motherfucker. And uh, on behalf of little Steven and the Disciples of Soul, namaste. Dedicated to you.
first instrument I learned how to play was the drums. Since I can remember, I've always loved drums. As I became a drummer, studying other drummers, other styles, my favorite drummers were always the groove guys, you know, the rock and roll drummers that could lay down a beat with that feel, that groove. Guys like Charlie Watts, DJ Fontana, Al Jackson Jr., Ringo Starr, Steve Jordan, Phil Rudd, and of course, Max Weinberg. I've been a huge Max Weinberg fan for as long as I've been a Bruce Springsteen fan, so I was so excited when it was announced that Max Weinberg's jukebox show was coming to the legendary Horseshoe Tavern in Toronto on October 10th. I don't usually do the VIP meet and greet things, but this one was very affordable for the value I knew I was going to get out of it, so uh, yeah, I grabbed a VIP meet and greet for this show, and uh, I was so excited I was going to connect with one of my rock and roll heroes, and see him play live you know, on a stage like the Horseshoe Tavern, which was going to be really cool. Charlie Watts is my number one favorite drummer. I love Charlie Watts, his style, his groove, his fills. I play traditional grip because of Charlie Watts. And I'd always heard that influence of Charlie on Max's playing. Max confirmed this in a recent video uh, that was put out by Guitar Center where he revisited the Power Station, the studio where they recorded Born in the USA. What an opportunity for me to revisit my roots by being at Avatar Studios, which was originally called the Power Station. And it was the studio, the studio in New York to be recording in in the 80s and 90s. And in my own case, did a lot of recording here, primarily Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. This is where we recorded The River. We recorded Born in the USA. In 1982, I'm sitting in this room behind my drums, about two o'clock in the morning, and Bruce walks out, and he's got this riff that he's playing, a chugging kind of just chord changes. And I just sort of start playing along, you know, and I remember I'd been listening to a lot of uh, Stones, and particularly the song Street Fighting Man, and I was really getting back into Charlie Watts's drumming and the beauty of it and the simplicity, yet complexity of it. And I sort of channeled Charlie on that song. So if you listen to what I'm playing on the song Born in the USA, there's a lot of, there's the big beat, but there's also all this little inside stuff that gives it this rolling momentum. It starts out with... Mm, and then the bass drum comes in. Then the drum... basically the Born in the USA song and the room allowed me the freedom to do in the breakdown where normally on stage I would do single stroke rolls because double stroke rolls wouldn't necessarily come out but I was doing all these crazy fills but it's all all of closed roll not it's all like that, and I only ever did that on record. 
in this room because it sounded, you know, you didn't have to play hard. It was just very swinging, you know. That drum, snare drum sound, it became a real signature. It became a very heavily sort of sampled sound that you ended up hearing on a lot of records in the 80s. It was a pleasure to come here uh, every day and play the drums. You know, some nights were better than others. You can't hit them all, but, uh, you know, I think on that song, on that night in uh, the spring of 1982, I think we hit it out of the park. Horseshoe is a legendary club here in Toronto. I've seen many bands there, and I've played on the stage with many bands there, too. Jeff Cohen, the owner of the Horseshoe and promoter, he brought Max and the Little Steven shows uh, to Toronto for these two gigs. So thanks, Jeff, for doing that. Jeff was recently on the Rockabilly Bruce episode with me. He's a great guy. He's a great Springsteen fan. So that night, October 10th, uh, Max's jukebox, Jeff started the night speaking about the 70-year anniversary of the Horseshoe how he's going to continue to bring live music to the horseshoe without corporate involvement, and how cool it is that Max Weinberg is playing this little dive bar in Toronto. So Max came out next. Max was the MC for the whole evening. He came out at the start, introduced himself, introduced the concept for his show, how he just got off the uh, River 2016 tour. He was uh, staying at home with his, he likes to eat ice cream and watch Law & Order reruns, so <laughs> he was doing that. And then he got a call from his, his manager, Mark Stein, who had this idea for this show. What if he gave the audience the option to pick the set lists? What if you came up with a list of songs and you just had those songs scrolling on a screen at the side of the stage and you took requests from the audience? So that was the concept for the show and it sounded like a good idea. So Max has been doing this, you know, the last six months or so. So Max was in a good mood. Max is always funny, and he seemed, you know, genuinely happy to playing the horseshoe. It was going to be a fun night. So we introduced the band. I was very excited to see Marshall Crenshaw on guitar. I think he was filling in for a few gigs with Max, and it was very elated that Toronto was one of these shows. You know, it was great to see Max play up close and in a bar. Very restrained, professional. You know, he had perfect time, as always. I was very impressed with his playing, you know, seeing him play so close and just seeing that. As a drummer, I can recognize things differently, I think, than most fans. So I was really studying his playing, his grips, and you know how he was playing that snare drum, and you know, it was amazing. I also noticed he had he had all of his fingers on both hands taped up, like band-aids around his fingers, bandages. I guess that's helping with the calluses and stuff like that. So that was really cool. So they opened it up with a couple of songs, uh, Glad All Over, Dave Clark Five song, and then they did Fortunate Son. It was cool to hear him play that Doug Clifford, Phil, you know, coming out of the solo, so. Next thing Max did was he came out front, took some requests. I had in my mind I wanted to hear a Tom Petty's tune because uh, you know the recent passing of Tom, I you know wanted thought that would be cool. Or I wanted to hear him play "Wooly Bully," one of my all-time favorite songs. "Wooly Bully" is just a classic; can't beat a song like that. So I, I you know, that's what I was thinking. So he was taking some requests. Someone requested "American Girl," and uh, you know that was really cool. So before they played "American Girl," Max kind of spoke briefly about Tom, saying. Uh, 
you know, it was such a shock that we lost Tom Petty and he was such a great, great guy and a, f- a friend of the band and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, they did a really good version of American Girl and it was cool to hear Max play drums on that. <laughs> Yeah. 
So they did uh, they did in the midnight hour. They did fire. They did Thunder Road. These are all requests. They had a guy come up and sing Thunder Road. Uh, I wasn't a really a big fan of that. It was kind of distracting. He was uh whatever. But anyway, uh, they did uh, Mississippi Queen. That was a thing. Someone someone requested Mississippi Queen, and that that's not on the list of songs to choose from. So Max had this thing, saying if you want to hear a song that's not on the list, start your own band. So that was a reoccurring theme that he brought up a few times that night, was which was pretty good. But but you know what? They gave it a shot. They they uh, they tried Mississippi Queen. It was pretty good, you know. And they were saying it's the first time they ever played it, and uh, you know it's a good band. It was a kind of a fun version. It's really cool to hear Marshall Crenshaw too. He was really ripping on some guitar at a, you know, some of the, a few moments. You can see he was a little bit more hesitant than the other guys in the band. Uh, you know, a little less less familiar with some of these songs, but. Uh, he was giving it a good shot, and he filled in really good, especially on the Beatles songs, because you know Marshall was part of that Beatlemania band in the '70s, I think, along with the bass player as well. So all the Beatles songs were great. I checked the previous set list. I don't usually check set lists for for shows because I like to be surprised. But I knew, you know, there was a list of songs, and I knew the set list is going to change based on the request. So I'm not going to get any spoilers checking a Max Weinberg set list. And I saw the previous night that they played Someday, Someway. So I wanted to request that because I thought it would be cool to hear Marshall Crenshaw sing a song. And uh, I thought it would be cool, you know, to have someone request a song for him. So I shouted that one out and Max was like, yeah, let's play that. A Marshall Crenshaw song. Let's play Someday, Someway. So, yeah, Marshall was happy to play that. He says, uh, this is my one hit. <laughs> and he said he still plays it all the time. I couldn't find a version of Max Weinberg's jukebox doing this tune, so uh, here's the original version of Someday, Someway, Marshall Crenshaw.
So they took some more requests. What did they do? They did She's the One. They did This Boy. Uh, some great vocals by Marshall Crenshaw on This Boy. They did Last Train to Clarksville. That was great. Uh, Marshall Crenshaw sang that one too. And, uh, you know, Max made a point to say, The Monkees. The Monkees were a great band. So, uh, yeah, Max is really on board with The Monkees. I love The Monkees too. They played Day Tripper by The Beatles. They did a couple of band songs. They talked about the band, and they played The Weight, and they played Up on Cripple Creek, which was cool. And, uh, you know, Max came to the front. He said, wait, 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 I got a Levon story. I want to tell a story about Levon. So he told a funny story about Levon Helm, saying there was a period there. Levon was uh, getting ready. To, he was into some acting in the 80s, and Levon was getting ready to do a film role. And it was kind of like a Wild West kind of cowboy movie. So Levon had a gun and he was, you know, practicing for the film role. And he was, you know, doing some twirling, twirling the gun in his hand and kind of stuff like that. And he was, you know, twirling the gun, but the gun was loaded. He was twirling a loaded gun in his hand. And somehow he ended up shooting himself in the leg, as you do, right? So, you know, Levon called up Max and he said, uh, shot myself in the leg. I need you to sub in for my bass drum. So there was a couple of gigs where Max kind of, did like a dual drumming thing with Levon so you could cover some of the stuff that Levon couldn't play with his leg with a bullet in it kind of thing. So <laughs> so they had a gig at the Stone Pony in New Jersey, uh, August of 87, and Max tells this story and he said he called Bruce up and he said, yeah, I'm playing the Stone Pony tonight with uh, Levon Helm. And Bruce said, I'll be there. So Bruce jammed a few songs with him that night. There's YouTube clips of this you can see, which is pretty cool. Uh, Bruce comes out wearing his, you know, jeans and white t-shirt. You know, Bruce jamming with Levon. First, they did Up on Cripple Creek, and it's cool. You see a lot of interaction with Levon and Bruce trading the verses off. Like, when, when Bruce is singing, like, Levon's mouth and the words to him, it's really cool. Uh, they do, like, a, the yodeling thing at the end, uh, back and forth, which is really cool. And you, you hear the crowd is just going, the crowd is just going fucking nuts, so it's awesome. <laughs>
So then after up on Cripple Creek, Bruce grabs a Telecaster, uh, strung way too high. Looks like he's wearing a, le- a necklace. Looks like he's playing violin on this. <laughs> and then they jam Lucille, another cool version. Levon doesn't play drums on this. Levon's kind of playing harmonica and singing, and Max is taking the drums on this. Bruce does a really cool guitar solo on Lucille. He does this like uh, like this little chicken picking part, which is kind of neat.
So yeah, some more highlights from that show. Max played Surrender. It was cool to hear uh, hear him play that song. They did uh, Candy's Room. That was another thing when someone in the crowd asked for Candy's Room. And Max was like, it's not on the list, so start your own damn band kind of thing, right? But Max was like, yeah, even though it's not on the list, I'll play Candy's Room for you. He sat down on his drums and then he played... And then he just played that hi-hat intro for about four bars and stopped. It's pretty funny. And he told a story. He got up and he goes, let me tell a story. He goes, he goes, that's the one song that I start on drums. It's like mostly every song starts with a one, two, three, Bruce Counting, right? But that's the one song that Max kind of starts on his own. And he says, for that one moment, he said, as soon as he starts playing that hi-hat pattern, the whole crowd erupts. And he's like, for that one moment, it's not Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band. It's Max Weinberg in the E Street Band. So that, <laughs> so that was really cool. They did 20 Flight Rock. They did Summertime Blues, Hard Day's Night. He told a funny Ringo story saying that when they were playing Wembley Stadium there in the 80s, they had four nights sold out. And uh, Ringo was backstage and, you know, Max was kind of feeling pretty full of himself and saying, hey, Ringo's pretty good. Hey, we got, I sold out four nights at Wembley Stadium. That's pretty good. To which Ringo replied, but Max, I was in the Beatles. So that was a funny story. Another Beatles song they did, they did I Want You, She's So Heavy. That was pretty cool. Um, I think they were just trying that because they they mentioned they'd never played that before, rehearsed it. So that was cool. Marshall Crenshaw again uh, singing that one. Uh, Doctor My Eyes, Jackson Brown song was good. They did Magic Carpet Ride, which was rocking. Talked about John Kay. Oh, and they did a really good version of uh, Neil Young's Cinnamon Girl. That was great. Everybody clapping along at that riff part. Thank you. 
songs, Rebel Rebel, I Want to Be Sedated, and then, uh, you know, Glory Days to finish it. So I think that's all the set list. That's what I got from my memory anyway. So uh, some of the order is probably messed up there, and I might have forgotten a few songs. But uh, that was pretty much the show. Lots of fun. And once again, it was really cool to see him up close. Like I was about two or three deep from the front of the stage. And, you know, just to see some of those outros where they're just playing the fills around the – uh, around the toms and just holding that last note at the end of a song and just seeing Max kind of do those Max Weinberg fills and, and rolls and stuff like that was really amazing to see up close. So after the show, I get to meet a rock and roll hero. I go backstage, I said hello to Max, shook his hand, told him I'm a drummer, told him about the big influence he's had on me. I thanked him for the music, I thanked him for the inspiration. I told him about the Tramps Like Us podcast that I do and I mentioned episode 6, the Max Weinberg show we did. He said, thanks for spreading the word. I'll listen to it for sure. I asked him to do an ID bumper for the show, to which he graciously said, Hey, this is Max Weinberg from the East Street Band. You're listening to Tramps Like Us, the Bruce Springsteen podcast with Lee McCormick. He signed a, he signed a drumhead to me. He wrote, for Lee, a tramp like us, Max Weinberg. Very, very cool. I'm going to treasure that. Then we took a photo together and said goodbye. But so great. You know, another memorable rock and roll moment for me. I loved it. So I highly recommend Max Weinberg's Jukebox Show. It's a cool concept, lots of fun, great tunes, and Max is a great storyteller. He's a funny uh, master of ceremonies, and above all, a top-notch musician and a killer drummer. It was just such a great night. Yeah, let me leave you with some great Max Weinberg drumming here. This is Max and his son Jay duetting on a drum battle. This is from 2009 at Guitar Center did this night, playing Sing, 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 the great Benny Goodman, Gene Krupa tune. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.
that's the show, folks. Thanks for listening. You can find us on our website at TrampsLikeUsPod.com, communicate with us on Facebook at our Tramps Like Us podcast group page, and on Twitter at Tramps Like Us Pod. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, where you can leave a review and a five-star rating. Tramps Like Us podcast is a nonprofit audio fanzine created by fans for fans and is available for free. We are not affiliated with Bruce Springsteen or Columbia Sony Records. If you've heard any music you like, please find it and purchase it from BruceSpringsteen.net, iTunes, Amazon, your local record store, or wherever music is sold. As always, gratitude and respect to Bruce Springsteen and all past and current members of the heart-stopping, pants-dropping, hard-rocking, booty-shaking, earthquaking, love-making, Viagra-taking, history-making, testifying, death-defying, legendary E Street Band. You know what this is? It's a condom. And you know what else? I hate wearing them, so I'm not going to anymore. No hooker's going to tell me what to do. (laughs) 